Hi there, my name's Adam Parr. I'm the podcast host, the Parr City Podcast. In this podcast, you'll be listening to me connect with people from different walks of life, from the military to people in the music industry to people in the self-help industry and many other areas of life. In this podcast, I'll be talking about topics from self-help, mental health, motivation, spirituality, mindset, society, current affairs, and much, much more. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe, share, and let me know your feedback. My main intention on this podcast is to have a positive impact. For you, the the listener, to take something positive from it, to apply something positive into your life from this. Now, with without further ado, let's get into this podcast and enjoy. Hi, and thank you for tuning into the Positive Podcast. I would just like to announce that I have just recently created a Facebook group for listeners and for people who would like to network with other podcasters and to network with other people who listen to the podcast as well. The link can be found in the bio of my profile as well as the bio of my episodes and the Facebook group um, is called The Positivity People. All you have to do is send an invite request and I'll accept it for you to join. I hope to see you there and have a great day. Take care. Hi, and welcome to the Positive Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined with my good friend, Vic Kinsella. Vic is currently an operations manager for a large automotive parts manufacturer. He's been in the manufacturing industry for almost 25 years. He's also the father of three children and has been involved in martial arts for over 30 years and has been ranked in several systems. Vic also volunteers and mentors skilled individuals that have immigrated to Canada to assist them in getting careers. He's also done various pro bono small business consulting projects for lean manufacturing improvements. In this podcast, we talk about business, mindset, martial arts, personal development, and much more. Now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode. Tuning in, trying to find out how to win. Go along and tell a friend. Marathon, you know the game. Keep on running, never end. Getting better, make a man. Adam got it, Adam got it, Adam got it, Adam got it. Possibility, 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 Vic, it's uh, it's great to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? Thank you very much, sir. And I'm doing quite well. No, you're welcome. It's great to have you on. And um, I just kind of thought I'd start off by kind of, you know, introducing you and how you kind of got into like the work that you do. Because I saw in your profile, you've been in in businesses for over 20 years. And um, yes, yes. Manufacturing for uh, about 24, 25 years now. Yes. Nice. And like, how did that kind of start for you? And like, uh, you know, you kind of talk about like positivity and like, you know, empathy in business as well. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into this as well, but we was talking about like, you know, like martial arts, cause you, you know, you're into martial arts as well. Yes. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes. Uh, when I originally, when I started in manufacturing, um, obviously, uh, manufacturing jobs pay a lot more than your your average job so i had the opportunity to join a factory uh with nice benefits and everything so i i got in there and you know i was a workhorse and people gravitated to me and then uh through the union and such i was the highest senior person on uh on the midnight shift i worked 12 years of uh midnights 12 hour midnights so that was quite taxing on the body 
but I seen this natural gravitation along with uh, the martial arts, you know, as you go up the levels, you know, you get that, those followers that are looking to you to be a leader. So I found that in manufacturing, I started getting a lot of people gravitating to me. And that's when I started to uh, really revisit the fact that I wanted to go up into management and slowly make my way up the food chain. So at that point in time, I had actually a supervisor's job, but then our factory uh, announced that it was closing during the 2008-2009 uh, 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 recession. So uh, I found myself without a job. I tried to go into business for myself, but due to the recession, people weren't looking for what it was I was doing, okay? So I went out and I got a job for minimum wage and I busted my ass and worked my way up. And I found throughout the entire uh, experience that education, education and growth. You know, it's one thing to say that I want to go up higher, but unless you're willing to re-educate yourself and adapt that growth mindset, you're not going to go anywhere. There's lots of people that were out there as supervisors working with me and they were just there. They're stagnant. You know, they had been a supervisor for 20 years and they would bid on higher positions, but that never took place. Why? Because inevitably they're in a fixed mindset. This is all I can do. So I really started to uh, probably about 10, 12 years ago, I really started to uh, start reading business books, taking online courses. Uh, I've logged in over 400 webinars and online courses. When I get bored, I go online and I, I want to research something. And it just adds to the, the business acumen. So over the years, I've gotten promotions. You know, I've bettered myself strategically. And currently, I'm an operations manager at a uh, uh, automotive parts manufacturing facility. Our parent company is uh, almost a $4 billion a year company. It's global. Uh, I do believe the last time I heard we were about 42 facilities across the globe. So that's pretty much how I got to where I am. Oh, that's awesome. I think like as well, like you said, um, you know, how you kind of got into it and that, that growth mindset is so like important, isn't it? Because that's kind of like you said, the only way how you're going to grow and, and shift as a person compared yes. to like, like having that fixed mindset and thinking, oh, this is, this is it. This is, you know, uh, this is where I'm at. Because I think some people, do, do you think people are in that mindset because they might think they're not good enough to, to have another position or they're like kind of stuck in their comfort zone, do you think? Oh, very, very much so. Like it, it, still, it still happens with me, you know, if, if a much higher up position comes up, you know, I think to myself, I don't have what it takes for that position. But then that's when you say, ah, to hell with it, and you apply for it anyways. And it shows, you know, corporate or higher up people that even though you don't have the education to fit this position, you still have the tenacity to try and go for it, right? So yes, you may get refused that position, but down the road, your name is stuck in their brain because they know you want to advance. And they know if you're hungry, you're going to put that extra effort, right? A lot of people, if they get de declined a position, it's just like, oh, well, that's it. You know, this, this is where I am. This is, this is life, right? Do my nine to five, you know, go home, walk the dog and that's it. But, you know, trying to change that mindset is, it, it can be very difficult, right? You know, you read the books and it's just like, change your mindset. Well, you change your mindset and then a week later, you, you know, you have something negative happen in your life and you go back down again. And uh, that's, that's why I try to keep motivated. You know, I, I try and keep learning. Uh, I'm a volunteer in a couple different organizations. I got the martial arts on the side. And it's, you know, it, it keeps me motivated. That way, if, you know, everybody has a bad day you have a bad day, I have a bad day. You know, if, if you have a bad day and you start feeling that energy draining, you know, you've got a little side hustle or a side project that picks you back up again and starts to keep you more and more focused, right? 
Yeah, I think that, I think that's definitely key and important, as you said, that uh, momentum and that energy that can be knocked by you know something happening, and like you said, we we can then you know go down a bit, and then if something else happens, that then that continues. But it's important, isn't it, to recognise that and to be able to have something that can help you kind of shift or get out of that place. And I think, like, you know, you doing martial arts and the different things that you've done, it gives you that that something to motivate you and to drive you forward, isn't it? And you're learning things as well. And like you said, yeah. you know, online courses and books and these kind of things all kind of adds on that, gives you that kind of edge, you know, over time. And I forgot to mention as well, like, you know, it's pretty good. I think, you know, like you, you know, that's pretty hard going doing those 12, you know, there's 12 years of night shifts. I mean, yes. I've, I've never done, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never worked a night shift, but I've worked in hospitality and done split shifts and that, that was difficult enough. I mean, do you, yeah. do you think that, do you think that, um, do you think doing that kind of work in those hours gave you a certain perspective on things or like a resilience? Um, it built up a lot of resilience, you know, um, we used to call ourselves vampires because honestly, at the end of the day, after about eight years of straight midnights, uh, I was actually offered because of my seniority to go to days. And no, you know, I don't want to see the sunlight. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You just got into that mindset, but, and when you're younger, you don't realize the adverse effects of working so many years on, for example, uh, midnights, it really upsets your circadian rhythm. And then when you get into your forties and fifties, it, it will take a toll on your body. Mm -hmm. But uh, inevitably, you know, the factory closed. I've been pretty much on uh, uh, days ever since, you know, when I was a supervisor, I had to do some nights for a little while, but everybody complained that nights was so hard on them. And yet my body was so conditioned to working nights. It was like, yeah, I'll work nights. I don't care. Right. But we had rotating shifts. So I would do a little bit of nights and then back to days. And ever since with the days, you know, it, it's great. But my body, even after, you know, so many years, I still find myself, I will sit up till midnight, one o'clock in the morning, you know, because my body after so many years, it's still, it still has that night shift uh, mentality. Right. But yeah, that's it. And I think, you know, it, it is quite heavy on the body, isn't it? I suppose over time and it does kind of set you in that way probably because you've done it for so long. And I, I think that's something I've experienced from working in restaurants and hotels because you're working till depending on your shift pattern, you know, sometimes you might finish at 12 o'clock at night, one o'clock in the morning yeah, or at, you know, at the latest, but and like, even now I still go to bed about 12 o'clock most nights, but I, yeah. I don't know if that's because, you know, over time, you know, it could, it could be that. It could be what you mentioned. But it, it's, uh, you've got to have that healthy balance, haven't you? Because I think over time, if people are doing that all the time, then, you know, it, it could be pretty, uh, you know, negative on their health. But, but with, like, you know, those experiences and, like, working up through, you know, management, um, would you say you know, you can, you can see how, like, you know, you've grown and how you can help and mentor other people in business. Yes. Yes. It's, it's a continuous effort. Uh, you know, even, even up till now there, there's certain people, certain colleagues that I've had that I've pushed them and, you know, excuse the expression, but I've told them straight up, you know, I'm going to shit on you. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I want to push them to that point where they become a rock star. And like one of the one of the rock stars, you know, she came on, I hired her as a supervisor and an amazing human being, a huge growth uh, mindset, very positive. Even when the factory was falling apart, she smiled. And then uh, we ended up promoting her to a, a plant trainer level pulling her into uh, management. And then 
my boss came up to me and asked me outright uh, because we are continuous improvement manager moved on. She got a promotion and he said, do you think uh, this individual could do this? And I said, well, technically she has zero education for it, but she has that growth mindset. So, and it was funny because I pretty much told her you're taking this role. There wasn't much decision for it. I told her, I really think you'd be good in this position. You need to take this role. So she agreed with me, uh, the plant manager sat her down and then we promoted her yet again. And, you know, it's to the point where corporate spotlight on her because she's very particular individual. And, you know, for me, when I see that growth and know that I've helped or tried to nurture it, to me, that's, that gives me that, that moment of pride, right? Same with when I'm teaching a student and they elevate themselves to that black belt level. When you tie that black belt around their waist, it's, it's like that pride, you know? To me, that's, that's worth more than money. You know, if you handed me a million dollars, oh yeah, that's awesome, I can buy a cool car or whatever. But, you know, to tie a black belt around a student who has put four years of his life into you, and to see them grow, to me, that's that's worth a million dollars any day. That's it. And I think, like you said, that that providing that value to other person and seeing them progress is is pretty priceless, isn't it? And it's more you know valuable than anything else because you've helped that person and you've mentored them to see them from point A to point B, isn't it? And yes. like you said, with that with that lady as well that you mentioned. Um, like in a lot of businesses, you know, you see people who haven't got the experience, but they've got that drive and that mindset to get it done. And I think, like you said, it's just, I think, you know, businesses should give people those opportunities if they have, you know, even if they don't have the experience, but they've got that drive, you know, to do it, that sometimes they can probably, do you think, have better advantage than sometimes the people who've done it previously? Because they're just kind of going off experiences, but they've got all that drive and energy to want to learn as well. Yes. Yes. You know, it's, it's the old adage, you know, if, if you apply for a job and I have a lot of education, I come in with all kinds of pieces of paper. That's awesome. You know, you dedicated your life to achieve uh, those credentials. That's awesome. But then you hire the person and find out that they they have the social skills of of a, a housefly. They have zero leadership skills. So it doesn't matter how how much education and how many pieces of paper you have, but you know, do you have that team dynamics? Do you have that those leadership abilities? And some people think, you know, uh, in the past at a at a previous organization, I seen a gentleman. He came in highly highly educated amazing man extremely brilliant but just talking to the workers you know I was standing right there the one day and he was just yelling at a worker and then the workers like well why are you doing this why you know questioning him and he looked at the worker and said well I made a better choice in life I got an education and you're here and right there I'm like wow that just destroyed any trust this worker had for you right? And you see it all the time. Like, if you go into an organization, it looks picture perfect during the interview phase. And then you get in there and you start finding the dirt here, there and everywhere. It doesn't matter where you go. You know, you can go to the greatest companies in the world, you're going to find some dirt once you get in there. But it's, it's one of those things where every day when you see something like that, it builds to your experience. Because then you think in your mind with a nice growth mindset, you think, I don't ever want to treat my workers that way. So then you start becoming more conscious of what you say. And that's where the empathy starts to come in. And when I have a worker come up and approach me about something and they're spitting feathers and they're upset about something, you know, I let them vent. And then I talk to them a bit and try and find a win-win situation. And when I talk to them, I recite what they said to me back to them. So they know I listened to them. You know, 
you you can have managers or supervisors on the floor that somebody will come up and screaming and yelling okay yeah yeah i'll fix it and they walk away but it's that acknowledgement acknowledgement that hey i listened to you you took five minutes of my time and i actually listened to you and i'm going to follow up with it and then of course that's another another thing for building trust in the workplace you know uh the follow-up actually going back out there you know a day two days later and saying hey i looked into that this is what's going to happen right and i see it all the time in many many different organizations there's there's no follow-up six months later an employee will bring up hey remember you know so long you know so long ago i asked you for this this and this it hasn't gotten better there was no follow-up right and you know it's that it's that building the trust and when i see individuals dress a worker down because of their education it's like you kind of want to go over and dress them down because they don't have the experience you know you gotta you gotta have a bit of a even keel you know experience that's that's what's really going to make the make the magic on the floor but that education builds that foundation just like in martial arts you know <clears throat> up to a black belt level you're building the foundation of the house once you get a black belt, that actually just is a certification showing that you have the tools to now learn. So then as you progress through the various levels of black belt, you're taking the advanced studies and pooling that all together to make a nice well-rounded uh, individual, right? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. And I think they're really great points. And as well, what you mentioned with the workplace, that there are, either there are people out there who, like I said, are very, very educated, but don't have that experience or that empathy. You know, not not all, I'm not saying not all people who, not all the people who are educated, but some people who might have those qualifications, but not those, you know, those humanistic personal skills. And I think that is, that is so key in, in business today and, you know, workplaces. And I've definitely seen in some places I've worked where something might be happening you speak to the manager or the boss, and like you said, there's no follow-up. And you're like, well, I'm feeling like X, Y, Z is, you know, X, Y, Z going to get solved, and they're not chasing it up. And you feel like, well, am I not important? And yes. it, it just shows you how important it is and to have that empathy and that patience with somebody, because that's probably, the, you know, that's probably why some businesses fail or have a huge turnover in staff because, you know, you could have one good manager in that place and that could be the difference between the people leaving or having a better day, do you think? Yes, very much, very much. You know, people, people leave organizations because of the culture at the end of the day, right? Um, I've belonged to organizations where it was a great organization, they make lots of money, um, and, and their, their turnover is, you know, medium in the industry, but it's that one, that one manager or that one poisonous employee that's just every day you go into work with a smile and by lunchtime, you just want to strangle everybody. And then you get to a point where, yes, this is a job. It's feeding my family. It's, it's, you know, giving me benefits for my kids, but, you know, I really hate my job. And then that's when you decide to leave. And it, it's sad because, you know, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, love that man. I worship that man. And one of his best speeches is, if you have uh, a salesperson out there making you millions of dollars a year, but then you've got a dozen other salespeople out there that are, you know, they're, they're making the money. They're hitting their targets. But that, that person that's at the top of the pack, if he's poison and bringing everybody else down and causing poor morale, fire him, right? Fire him because that increases the morale and then all those lower performers are going to start bringing it up a bit, right? So you're gonna get your money back. But I do find in society and a lot of corporations, you know, it, they can talk the talk. They can say, this is our eth ethics policy. 
We have zero tolerance for bullying, harassment in the workplace. But then if you actually follow up and put in a harassment complaint, it, it gets shuffled under the, the door because the person's been working there for 25 years. Therefore, if we cut them loose, it's going to be a really big paycheck, you know. And, you know, that's when it gets down to dollars and cents, you know. But at the end of the day, this person, if you had to cut them a $100,000 check and fire them, that's hundred grand. Okay. But you're going to make that back with morale and an increased productivity, right? That, that builds on the speed of trust, like Stephen Covey uh, uh, preaches. You know, if the trust level is high, uh, productivity will be high and your overall costs are going to be low. But if you lose that morale, you know, costs are going to start shooting up. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point as well. And that, that morale, you know, is a key thing. And that's something that, that I experienced when I worked in this particular hotel one time. We had um, the manager got fired for stealing money out the till. And then we had, this is during like summer period you know, in, in the UK, like the summer period where, you know, tourism and everything a couple of years ago. And we had like three or four managers in the space of like six months. We had five different head chefs come and go. There were, there, were, there were people on agency coming and going. And in hospitality, they don't really always do like DBS checks. I mean, some a lot of places in hospitality do, but some places don't because they just want the staff. And yes. you didn't know whether to gain, you know, a relationship with somebody because they might be gone in a week. You know, you, you just... And it, it, that morale is a key point. And I think that is like the driving force that can keep you going. And you know, like a good boss, you know, the boss of the place would always, you know, he knew my name, he would ask about me, you know, and how I am and how things are going. And that made, that made like a huge difference to me. Like if, if the boss who hadn't have done that, I would have probably left, but I respect, I respected him as a person and who he is. And, you know, from where he, you know, he started out with nothing and, you know, he's, he's done pretty well, you know, today. And, there's all of these things that kind of interplay in work, isn't it? And that, that's something that I've learned as well, that, that respect and just being acknowledged for your work and what you're doing can, can be massive. And that's yes. something that I always look for if I go somewhere. If the boss isn't respecting me for my work, then I'm like, well, you know, should, should I go somewhere else where I'm going to be acknowledged and respected for my, for my time and, and work and things like that? You know, even that kind of old good job today, it, yeah. it can go it can go miles away. Yes, yes, it can. You know, uh, I actually interviewed at a company, and it put a lot of red flags up to me. Um, first, uh, health and safety. When they fully admitted they had a horrible health and safety record, I had a bit of a red flag. But then the the vice president uh, asked me a question, how would I motivate my individuals? So I told him, you know, uh, as a servant leader, you know, I would go out and celebrate our, our uh, triumphs, you know, if we hit target or, or if we got 110%, I go out and give everybody a high five because just that moment of my time telling somebody you're awesome, that, that means so much to people. You know, it's just like a parent, you know, if every single day your kid comes home with straight A's and it's like, oh, you got another A. Like, but if you're like, awesome, you got so proud of you, you know, that makes that child strive for a different level. But this vice president turned around and shot back at me and said, going out and showing gratitude is not the way you motivate people. You need to give them incentives. And I'm like, okay, well, you're a vice president, so tell me some of your experiences. And outright, it was stated that, you know, if somebody does really good, we give out t-shirts. If somebody does really good, we give out coffee mugs. And I'm like, okay, but at some point in time, when you turn around and realize you're spending $30,000 a year in coffee mugs and t-shirts, and you say, well, as a cost-cutting measure, I'm going to reduce that, you're going to create problems down the road because people won't work unless they get a t-shirt. 
But at the same time, if you build into that culture, that positive growth mindset, like, hey, you know, you got 110% for me, man, I totally appreciate it. The company appreciates it. You know, you build that type of culture in there and then people are not expecting and become entitled. And, you know, after his statement of that, I had called the recruiter and I'm like, eh, I don't know about this place. And it's funny because then I've seen it on some, uh, some uh, job search forums because they're all linked into my uh, LinkedIn account. And it's funny because it seems like this, this factory is always looking for a plant manager. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Still, I still haven't learned the lesson. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it, it does blow me away. I mean, I think, I think some companies have got it completely sideways, you know, they've got it upside down and the people at the top, not all people, not all companies, but some companies, the people at the top and things like that haven't, haven't got an idea of, you know, how to have those people skills and, and that knowledge of their, employees it's all incentives and targets and you know like people aren't robots you know they're they they like to, to have that reciprocate you know reciprocation with the boss for the manager to be told they've got a they've done a good job and yeah like you said you could have about 100 100 mugs and 100 t-shirts but over time you, you're going to get sick of it and you're like well, what am i doing you know oh yeah great i've got another mug for the 50th time or something like that um yeah, they. I saw another Gary Vee quote, and he said something like, uh, "Your employees don't work for you; you work for them." Yes. Kind of thing. Yes. And uh, I, I mean, I, I do. I do see a lot of companies changing. You know, from that that kind of eighties, seventies kind of like yeah. culture. Like a lot of companies, you know, more empathic and understanding. I think, but there are still a lot of companies out there that. Um, that aren't like that i i applied for a job last the other month and i read the uh you know the small print and it was a call center and it was like yeah um no breaks after a certain time and then when you do have a break it's like 15 minutes and i yeah. was like i had lied more breaks than i worked in hotels i mean that's that's ridiculous and <laughs> i don't i don't I mean, I understand people have got to work and they might be desperate for a job, but even if I was absolutely desperate, I still couldn't do that. Yeah. There's got to be a fine line somewhere, hasn't there, don't you think? There's got to be a fine line somewhere between that kind of, uh, that work life, that, that, that kind of balance. And do, do you see it changing? Do you, uh, it, you know, go moving forward, do you see the kind of company corporate culture changing? Do you? Um. You know, there you see a couple business journals uh, delivered, and you always see the the world class facilities that are changing and are embracing it. But for the better part, uh, when I do a lot of networking, and when I put like a little positivity quote on uh, LinkedIn, hmm. uh, somebody will actually inbox me and say, "Well, that's really cool, Vic, and can I pick your brain?" And I've had some other operations managers, plant managers, supervisors contact me. And these are all just various uh, facilities ar around my, uh, my city. And just hearing some of the stuff coming out of their mouth, it's like, you know that some of the top businesses are being showcased and they're showing that this style of management where, you know, servant leadership is really reigning supreme right now. But then all the feedback you're getting from facilities, you're showing that the authoritarian style mindset is still there. You know, you're here to work and, you know, do your job and go home. But at the same, same time, you need to celebrate those triumphs. You know, if you get new business, you have to, you know, have a barbecue and, and, and tell your, your employees, because of you, we got new business because of your hard work and efforts. You know, you don't walk out on the floor. Hey, did you hear corporate got us new business? Okay. You know, but it's because of their hard work and efforts that you secured that new business. Right. So I am finding that society is changing, but you know, not at the rate that obviously anybody mm -hmm. really wants. 
Yeah, that's it. And I think like as well, if you're happier in your job, then you're going to be, you know, surely it's going to work dividends for the company anyway. If you've got loads of people yeah. who aren't happy in their job, they're not going to be doing as well, uh, you know, yes. in their role. And the company is not going to do as good as well. It's like, you know, working in a restaurant, which I've done before for you know, a lot of time. If you're, you know, you're, you're representing the, the face of that company just by how you dress, by how you talk, by how you come across. And it's so easy nowadays for people to then go, oh, don't go to that place because, um, the, you know, the, the, the staff there aren't very professional. They talk a certain way or they're, they're, they're negative. And that, it's that kind of reputation, isn't it? You know, especially with the internet and um, your, represent, you know, your reputation as a person, especially probably like yourself in, in business, you know, businesses, you know, they know each other, they network. And yes, your you know it's your reputation and the business's reputation, isn't it? Yes, yes, very much so, very much so. And see, that's that's the when you are engaging your workers on the floor, you're trying to build that mindset that at the end of the day, business is competitive, and for us to win, win more contracts, we have to have that competitive growth mindset where we're positive and we're. We're trying to do the right thing because when you do that right thing and you get new business, it's called job security. It's all fine and dandy to make lots of money now, but what happens if the factory closes tomorrow? You could be out of, especially with COVID, you could be out of work for eight months or a year. So trying to build that mindset with the workers as well, create that job security, you know? engage with your manager it's not just your manager's responsibility to engage with you you engage back with them you know mm -hmm. and that's a, that's another thing you know i i see a lot of people on or they just come up they make a complaint and they walk away you know to have that engagement that back and forth engagement that's where you try and program it into everybody around you okay i follow up with you you follow up with me mm -hmm. you know that way we're constantly accountable to each other. Mm. You know, if I tell you I'm going to follow up with you, I have to be accountable. But through day-to-day -day business, if I forget, but you come over and you're a good worker and you say, hey, remember, you're going to follow up with me tomorrow. Ah, yeah. So that that's, that's where we become an interdependent team, right? Mm -hmm. Just like, uh, once again, Stephen Covey, I love that man to death, you know. <laughs> When, when you join, when you join an organization, you're dependent, right? You have that learning curve. I depend on you, Adam, to teach me. Okay. Now, once you've taught me something, then I become independent. I can do my job, right? But independent is not what you want to strive for. You want to strive for that interdependence where you feed off of each other. You know, if, if I take a day off sick, my employees know my expectations and what's going to go down, you know? Mm. And that's, that's where you want to try and build that interdependence. That way we're constantly accountable to each other. Mm. That's, a, that's a really great point. And that's quite powerful, isn't it? And that's, that's something that reminds me of when I worked in a particular hotel, like, you know, with that boss, they had very, very high standards and, you know, but very, very professional place. And, we all knew those, you know, we all got to know those standards and we knew that if we wasn't doing that as a team, you know, then they might come in one day, look around and be like, well, this isn't right. And then someone else gets told off and then, you know, it all kind of has a knock on effect. And like you said, it's having that kind of authority and that kind of like discipline and, and, and kind of having those standards in place because you know, it kind of it's like you said that kind of all the all the cogs kind of click in together because you know those standards and like you said that interdependence even when the boss isn't there you're still striving yes. for those standards because you, you know in other words like shit's going to hit the fan if, if you don't you know if they come in yeah very true very um, true i was going to say something that's on my mind um it'll come back to me 
but yeah, I I, I think it is it, it's, it's so key, isn't it? Oh, that was it. Um, do you think do you think COVID has put a lot of strain on you know the kind of businesses that you're in or like factories like they have to uh, take different measures now because of COVID? You know, like do you think there's yeah, yes, it's obviously uh, factories. Well, any any business period is affected with COVID along the lines of the additional PPE, the, the additional labor for screening. And, you know, so it's, it's relating to a very large cost, right? And then to recoup those costs, I'm finding more and more institutions are really pushing for that world-class excellence level. And they're getting very pushy, like, where's my numbers? Where's the money, right? And that's because at the end of the day, they're, they're pushing like $30,000 a month in additional COVID measures, and they have to try and make that money up somewhere. Best place to make it up is productivity. So there is getting, COVID has caused a lot of, a lot of uh, issues everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. It's, but I, I think like as people, it's amazing how we can adapt, isn't it? I, I find it fascinating how we, you know, kind of triumph over adversity and, and, and adapt new ways of, of working around things. It's like supermarkets and cafes, you know, they've all got screens and things like uh, signs on the floor and yes. things like that. I, yeah. mean, I know that's probably different from factories, but it there's, there's definitely a heavy cost on it, isn't there? But I think, like you said, there's, um, there's, there's probably ways around making that back, if that makes sense. Stephen, that's kind of where companies are at now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the best ways, like I said, to make it back is to try and increase that productivity, right? Mm. Uh, COVID caused a lot of facilities, a lot of companies to be backlogged. Like, obviously, I'm in automotive. I supply large automotive suppliers or uh, customers. Yeah. And, you know, during all the COVID things, sales are down. So now they're out there doing lots of advertising, you know, putting newer options on cars. They're trying to really push those sales and get the sales back up, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's like I said, the the whole COVID thing. It's cost so many people so much money, but you know, we as human beings, we're versatile. Mm-hmm. Yes, you have the people that are complaining, and you know, the people that are petitioning, uh, no more lockdowns and no more masks. And at the end of the day, you know, just do what you need to do to protect yourself and those around you. Be responsible. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't want to wear a mask, just stay away from me, right? Yeah, yeah. And you know, but we are very versatile human beings. And to me, I think overall we've we've embraced this, you know, mm. quite well. Mm. You know, we know the norm now. Yeah. Yes, people are tired of it, but at the end of the day, until our governments say this is it, you know, just yeah, yeah, just a just ride out yeah that's it i was watching a film yesterday and it was before covid happened and i was like gosh that doesn't see it doesn't seem normal what used to be normal if that makes sense i was like um but yeah no i totally agree with you as well and i'm just thinking do you have any favorite books at all that you like to read um yeah i've got quite a few uh uh heather monahan confidence creator uh simon sinek i i have all his books i've got gary vaynerchuk's books uh tony robbins uh uh mark manson uh one of his uh one of my favorite books from him is a subtle art of not giving a fuck it's great yeah. uh great individual uh the stephen covey line um the speed of trust you know that's that's a, a really really I think actually you read that book, you know, it really puts into perspective how when you build that trust in your team and your organization, how dynamic you can really be. Mm. Because let's face it, you walk into an office, you're going to find there's only a certain amount of trust, right? Mm. And I've walked into, and and I've helped a lot through my volunteering and I've helped people try and identify that you don't have good team dynamics. You know, this is my red flag. When I walk in, this individual, this individual, this. Investigate it. 
Or are these three people the poison and that person's not? This is where people actually have to get down and investigate and find out what's going on. You build that trust level back up. Nothing can stop your team. Nothing. Mm. Um, yeah, not. Yeah, confidence creator. Heather what was that book that you mentioned just then? The last book. What was that called again? The Lion. Just say. The oh, uh, Stephen Covey, The Speed of Trust. Yeah. Yeah, that's an amazing book. That should be like a bible for everybody. Mm. Yeah. No, I see. I I really appreciate you sharing the books, and I think they're. I think, you know, I'm getting more into reading now uh, with, you know, lockdown and things like that. And I think I think it's so important to read, you know, when you can, even if it's a few pages. And, you 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 know, you learn a lot through reading and you can apply that, you know, to, to your life and what you're doing. And yes. you learn so much. And it's good to have, like you said, these, these books in place because a lot, a lot of people should have them as like uh, you know a mandatory thing in their business or you know an education i think yes yes very true um like when i when i join certain organizations one thing they always push is uh like the toyota production system because toyota is you know they've got a, a set process that they run their company by and you know i join an organization the first thing they do is they hand me the Toyota way and say, read it, which I've read the book a couple of times. And it is, it's a dry read because it's all about production systems some manufacturing, but <laughs> it's very, it's very accurate on how you should really build the business. Right. Mm. But I think uh, the speed of trust, you know, if somebody joined my team tomorrow and said, what's the number one book I should read that, that would be the first book I would give them. Mm. No, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think as well, like, you know, I've got a Toyota Yaris, like a small Yaris, and it's never had any major problems at all. And it's it's done a couple of hundred thousand miles yeah. and it just keeps on going. They just keep it just keeps on going. And <laughs> oh, I love it. Like, you know, I, I don't I don't care, you know, it gets me from A to B, but it's got, you know, it's got I won't get too much into it, but it, you know, it's got quite a bit of power for a small car. But th there's something about Japanese cars and Toyota cars; they they've just got something something figured out. You know, they're they're ahead of the game, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I find all the automotive manufacturers, you know, General Motors, FCA, uh, uh, Ford, everybody's got their their real vehicles, and then you know. You hear the horror stories about this, that, and the other thing. Overall, I think across the industry, there's there's a lot of good institutions and vehicles out there. Toyota is one of the the cream of the crop for quality. You know, they they really got things figured out. A lot of corporations out there that try to mimic their production system uh, style, and you know they they see the benefit and the gains, right? Yeah. yeah that's it it's it is fascinating and, it, and i i just find it amazing how you know like companies develop and grow over time and you know how important it is as well probably you know to listen to you know your customers feedback as well you know as a business and to, to take that on board and i think that that's something I, I see in video game companies as well that there are certain video game companies that really listen to um, the feedback of, you know, yes. what the players want in the games. And you see it in companies that don't do that and you see the games they make and how they, and how they pan out and you see the uproar because the people buying it aren't yeah. happy with, you know, I mean, I won't go too much into that, but um, it, it's important, isn't it? You know, to listen to the feedback of the people who are buying your products, isn't it? I suppose as well. Yes, very much. You know, the customers are basically the heartbeat, right? At the rhythm. Mm -hmm. They're going to tell you what they want, uh, how much of it they want, you know, and then, you know, then it comes back to the employees. You, you get the employees doing the right thing, making the right choices. You're going to build quality product fast, efficiently, and safely, you know. You want everybody at the end of the day going home with all their their fingers and toes that they came in to work with. So 
that's where the emphasis goes on. Yes, the, the customers are king, but at the end of the day, without those employees, you don't have customers. So when it comes down to actually running the corporation, that's where you need to have that focus on the frontline staff. The more focus you have on them, the more security business, you know, end results. Yes. Oh, sorry, I had it on mute. Um, yeah, like oh, the, <laughs> yeah, the, um, it keeps those cogs moving forward, doesn't it? And, and the brand, you know, the brand and that relationship going as well. And um, I think as well, like, do you have any like role models or any like mentors that you like look up to or, you know, looked up to kind of growing up in like business or friends or family or? Um. A lot of my role models are in the martial arts world. Uh, Kaito Alan Amor from the United Ruku Campo Alliance. He's given me, he's, he's trained me for uh, quite a few years. Um, when I started educating myself and, and uh, taking some university level courses, um, I stepped back from the martial arts world a little bit. So it's been a while since I've seen Kaicho. Uh, we still keep in touch. But he's, he's given me a lot of really good, solid advice about life. Um, Peter Carbone from the Weapons Connection Society, just outside of uh, Detroit. Another extremely brilliant man, uh, brilliant leader, you know, through his martial arts and his everyday life, you know, just showing that, you know, this, this is where you want to be. You want to set a legacy. You want that wealth, not in your pocketbook, but around you, right? Um, and obviously, you know, some of the top people, uh, in the world, uh, a lot of us look up to them like Gary Vaynerchuk, Simon Sinek, uh, looking to them for their advice and listening to what they have to say. It, it really, you know, you, you put everything together, all your experiences together, it makes you mature. And that's one of the things that, uh, for example, my daughter, she's always looking for books to read. And I, I'm pushing books on business and self-development on her. She's looking for like a teen novel, a teen romance novel. But I gave her Kristen Hadid's uh, permission to screw up. And Kristen Hadid uh, started a maid service uh, when she was in university and she's built it up to quite the little empire. And that now she's become an accomplished author and speaker. Uh, Simon Sinek uh, uh, talks about her a lot. So I gave my daughter that book, like, you know, if, if in society, instead of feeding your children video games and fantasy books, give them something that they can actually use sometimes and help them start figuring life out a bit earlier. Right. But yeah, those, those are my mainstay of mm. my role models. Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. And I, and I think, you know, it's important to have role models and, you know, mentors and life, isn't it? In, in, and as well, yes. like to, you know, if you've got children to, you know, give them these, these books where they can develop and grow and, and, and use that content, uh, you know, to, to apply to their life, you know, in the future, isn't it? It's so important, especially at a young age as well. Kids are, almost, I, I don't know how old your daughter is, but you know, they're almost like sponges, aren't they? Just kind of soaking up. Yeah. yeah. Soaking up you know, the, the world. So I, I think it's definitely important. See, that's, but, a, that's the thing when you, for example, when you talk about soaking stuff up, you know, you can give anybody a sponge <clears throat> and you think if I give you a sponge, you can soak up knowledge, but you also have to realize that sponge, it can soak up clean water or mm. it can soak up muddy water. So at the end of the day, what do you want to be squeezing out of that sponge? Do you want mud coming out or do you want fresh, clean water? Right. And that's, that's the, you know, as soon as you said that word soaking it, it just goes to my mind, a sponge, a sponge can work both ways. People sometimes yeah. say a sponge is, Oh, you're like a sponge. You soak stuff, uh, soak stuff up and they say it in a positive spectrum, but at the same time, if you're not soaking up the right things, it's not going to be of any benefit. Yeah, no, that's definitely key. Definitely key. And I like the way you put that. And I think, 
that's like if I'm doing something, I like, you know, I, I like to listen to music, you know, if I wash the dishes or if I'm doing something but, or driving, but I'm like, you know, no, I'm going to listen to a podcast or something that I can soak some goodness from rather than putting the radio on, listen to the news or, you know, yeah. the, these different sources and outlets. Like, I, I do go over the news, but I don't, I skim through it and I'm like, okay, cool. You know, that, that, that has taken me a long time to be able to do that. But yes. you have to, like you said, be look, be wary of what you soak up. And if you soak up the good things, then you can, you know, it's going to make your life better, isn't it? Yes. Very true. Very true. But, um, yeah. but no, Vic, it's been, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. And, you know, I'm really grateful, you know, for your time and really, you know, grateful for, you know, if you're sharing your experiences and your, you know, your outlook on things, it really means a lot. Well, it was an absolute pleasure, uh, uh, obviously being a part of your, uh, Parsivity, uh, podcast. And I've been watching you for a little while, you know, and then when you reached out to me, I, it was, is, you know, I, I realize you're not the Gary Vaynerchuk, but to me, <laughs> it was like, awesome. You know, to me, it's like, you're a rock star and to, oh, cheers, to be a part of your, your, uh, event. That's, that's very important to me. No, oh, thank you, Vic. It really, really means a lot. Really. I'm really, really grateful. And I think, I think it's important, isn't it? You know, to connect with people that, you know, in our, in, in our tribe and, and to support one another. And, and, you know, I really, I really appreciate everything. It really means a lot. And, um, you know, how, how can people find you on social media? Like what's your best kind of point of call? Um, I'm on, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Mm. I love LinkedIn. Um, I'm on Instagram, uh, Snapchat, Tumblr, and Facebook. Okay, awesome, and I and I and I'll put those links in the uh, the bio for this as well. Live the big powerful one for me. To me, sorry, I broke up. Then what'd you say? The power. Yeah, sorry, the, uh, the connection went there briefly. But you were saying, was it like LinkedIn is the main one? Yes, LinkedIn. Uh, that's just a platform that I find of more use. You know, when I yeah. hook up with somebody, a CEO of a company, you can see any content or, you know, and a lot of people on LinkedIn, you can throw a question out and get an intelligent answer back. And... Uh, you know, I started posting stuff on LinkedIn just for positivity and, and stuff like that. And like, I, I don't, to me, I, I went to daughter uh, and I said, oh, I think I went viral. I made a post and I had like almost 5,000 views. I'm viral. Yeah. Because I didn't understand what viral meant. Yeah. And she's like, no, dad, here, I'll show you 1 million views. And I'm like, oh. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but even if I get 500 views, yeah, even if I get like 500 views on a simple post where I say be happy, quite often mm. I have somebody inbox me and say, Hey, Vic, I really appreciate that. You made my day. To me, I touched one life. Yeah, I don't care about 21 million people reading my views. Mm. I care about the one person that texts me and said, Hey, thank you. Right. And that's, yeah. that's why I really like LinkedIn. Yeah, no, that's that's really that's same here, and I, and I think that's really important as well. Isn't it? It's just you know impacting that that one person. Um, I I don't I don't post things for numbers or anything like that. You know, like you know, if you, as long as you impact somebody, you know, you're still one person, isn't it? Yes, that's it. Yes, no, that's Very awesome. True. But but no, Vic, I, I really appreciate you know you being on, and um, I'll, I'll share your links in, in in the bio when this gets out and then um you know i wish you all the best in what you're doing and your work and and i look forward to you know doing this again sometime awesome thank you so much adam no you're welcome you're welcome all the best got it adam got it adam got it
Hi, I'd just like to say a massive thank you for listening to the podcast. You can also check out the podcast on YouTube at The Power City Podcast. You can also check out my Instagram at City 94 where I put lots of podcast clips and snippets and a lot more content as well. I really appreciate you supporting me in my podcast and supporting me in my content. It really, really means a lot. Any feedback, any questions, any queries, you can email me at thepolicypodcast.gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you and connecting. Take care. Hi, this is an announcement to say that the Policies Podcast is now available on Patreon. Patreon is where I'll be adding exclusive behind the scenes content, exclusive questions that I'll be asking my guests and many more clips from the free flow force and much more as well as the positive podcast merch that'll be on there as well you can click in the link in the bio and it will take you to the patreon page thank you